A family moves to an idyllic area of coastal Florida seeking a peaceful life. On a walk, their lives are turned upside down by a seemingly innocent discovery in a patch of grass. Were they the recipients of an object from outer space? Or did this family misconstrue their treasure as more than what it truly was? This week's episode is The Bet's Mystery Sphere. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I think we should start this episode out with our new toy. I just dropped it. With our new toy. This is our emergency Bigfoot sound machine. The, the, is I, that what we're calling it? I believe the package said for when you need it. <laughs> yes. You never know when you might need a Bigfoot sound. to summon a Bigfoot sound. Yes. Therefore, here's how. Arguably the best one, I think. So good. Snort, which straight up sounds like pedal. <laughs> That's just what pedal sounds like. That's just what I sound like at night. <laughs> That's also what I sound like That's after I finish roar. eating spaghetti in bed. <laughs> spaghetti. Here's a groan. Oh, man. Dang. That one sounds like Tim Allen. That one sounds like in Harry the Hendersons when John Lithgow's like, go, Harry, leave. Get out. Scenes like that in any kind of movie destroy me. Makes you so sad. Where a human is yelling at an animal to get out. (laughs) Only because they can't handle the how they really feel, so it just turns to anger and the animal doesn't understand. Those scenes kill me. It's such a sad scene. And it's a trope. And Hollywood needs to stop. No, they know what they're doing. They're turning your they're turning your emotions like a button. Like oh, yeah, this mixer they know. over here. They one hundred percent know. Well, this is a fun little thing we now have for now, um, when things like when last, we need it. Last episode when you were so mad, we could have used a Bigfoot house. Oh, fuck yeah. I would have been snorting and howling left and right had I had it then. Hopefully, going to use it in this week's episode. <laughs> this is a fun one. It's a fun one. We needed something a little more lighthearted after our with, rageful violence. With no death. <laughs> Yes. After last week. Yeah. And some of the ones we have in the hotline for the hopper for you. Yeah. The pipeline. Uh, the coming, coming down the pipe, we got some doozies. So, so we wanted to so enjoy do a this while you can. <laughs> it's a funsy, a little funsy. I was uh, researching at my favorite restaurant in Dallas, which is Company Cafe, mm. at my bar, at the bar with uh, my favorite server. And I was eating my biscuits and gravy. And just the photos I was looking at, I thought everyone in the restaurant behind me can see. What the hell is... They probably thought I was shopping for bowling balls. It just looks like a giant bowling <laughs> it's like ball. like a bowling ball. And then just these people from the 70s proudly clasping their bowling ball. Maybe thought I was doing it's a story on the history of bowling. <laughs> yeah, it just looks like a giant... Or not even giant, just an average-sized silver bowling ball. That you would pick up at any uh, Brunswick store. Mm. Does Brunswick have their own brick and mortar? I, they must, or maybe they just That'd sell. be a bitch to ship. <laughs> That's the heaviest truck. <laughs> the way stations UPS, are broken. UPS, like, who ordered this 22-pound bowling ball? Sons of bitches. Tommy gave me, for my birthday, this might seem strange, but I've been wanting one for a really long time, and I keep, kept talking about how I wanted one. So one of my presents he presented me with, I was like, 
this is so heavy. And he had to help me carry it to the table. And I opened it up and it was a weighted blanket. <laughs> oh, how, tell me how that is. It's it's interesting. Okay. It's 18 pounds. Jeez. So it was very heavy. And then so anytime I want to put it on the bed or something, it's kind of uh, laborious yes. to, to get it up on you. But I, I've wanted one because I've heard good things and that they can help with like feelings of anxiety yeah. or I have really bad restless leg. Oh, cool. And to go to bed. Oh, cool. <laughs> no, I'm saying cool that the blanket helps. Oh, that. yeah. Well, I don't know if it has. I'm still experimenting. But when I go to bed at night, sometimes I just have to like <laughs> rock myself back and forth and kick my legs for hours. It's Tommy sleeps through this? Sometimes, yeah. But the other night he made a comment that was like, yeah, I guess you're just going to be kicking all night or something. So I think sometimes he's aware of it. Also, he sleeps through anything. Okay. And he's one that he'll be like, good night. And five minutes later, he's like, out. Yeah, he's uh, he's all. That's what he sounds like? No, that's not, he, that's not how he snores. But I'm a very light sleeper and it takes me forever to get to sleep. So I've been using it, but sometimes I think it helps. Other times I'll wake up, I'll be like, this is too heavy. I, oh, really? I gotta, gotta get it off. I would of wonder me. if it would be maybe panic inducing because it's like you're being pushed down. It's not as hard as a push. Okay. And there are different, um, weights you can get to. Okay. Is 18 like in the middle? I think that's in the middle. I read the other day there was one that was like 22 and I was like, I feel like 22 pounds would be, would be a little too much. But then uh, kids that, um, like have sensory issues mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, I, I've had friends that have kids like that and they've used them and had success. So mm, nice. The experiment is still ongoing and I will report back to be determined whether we like the weighted blanket. I do like it. Okay. I'm not sure if it is like a cure all. If it's a cure all. Yeah. Cause one night I was like, Oh, this is really ha- helping. And then the next time it still wasn't helping, but I, it does help it hasn't cured okay well you know any little incremental that's improvement true. i that's think is true. probably good that's true yes um perhaps these people needed a weighted blanket something i feel bad because i i got a bowling ball my i bought a bowling ball myself i don't i'm not an avid bowler but i was at a vintage store in, when i lived in chicago and i had this cool vintage brunswick and it's actually someone in the Big Lebowski has the exact same bowling My bag. My favorite movie. And I, and also in the office, Michael Scott, when he comes to the office with his head, his paper mache head, yeah. it's the exact same bowling bag. Oh, it's the bag or the ball? Both. Oh, okay. It's, it's a set. It's in my garage right now. <laughs> I don't take it with me if I go bowling. I guess I should. It's probably a little too heavy for me, but I have drugged that f- stupid thing. How many pounds is it? I think it's like a 14-pound ball. That's pretty heavy. And It's I've heavier used, than I would bowl with. I bowl with like an 8-pound ball. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm, I'm not an expert bowler with like a strong... I don't need so a So when you ball. bought that, you had to lug it home? Oh, yeah. And that's what I was thinking now. On the L? Uh-huh. And on Prince, I, that may, it may have been at the store that was walking distance from my house, which somewhat makes it worse that I, instead of just walking out, getting on the train and then walking home, I walked all the way home with it. But I've moved apartment to apartment to apartment in Chicago to Dallas, apartment to apartment to house to house. What color is it? It's a beautiful blue ball with a nice leather blue bag. It's lovely. But you don't use it ever. No, it's more of a, I should put it in the house. It's yeah. Like a, no one can even appreciate it. No, it's, it's in just your in the garage. Yeah. And it's a like an art piece, but... I think about how heavy that is and think, I didn't even really want to lug that home and I paid for it. These folks find a thing in the yard yeah. and you're like, take it home. We got to get it. <laughs> Junior? 
Grab that ball. Get it. Get it. It's slippery. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And we're talking the ball about the Betts mystery sphere. All balls all the time this episode. I uh, had not heard about this until... A, a listener messaged until us Until we, we learned about this from a listener. On yeah. Instagram. Thank you for sending it in. Well, let's get into it. In March 1974, the Betts family, Dad Antoine, Mom Jerry, and their 21-year-old medical student son Terry, were exploring the area around their home in Fort George Island, Florida, that had been affected by a recent forest fire, when they made an odd discovery. As they walked about their recently purchased 88-acre area of land, Terry noticed something strange and out of place. There, in the remnants of the fire, like a highly polished silver metal ball. My question to you is what if you were in this position that there's a ch- charred area of your land and you see a shiny ball, what would you think it was? I would think it was a space egg. <laughs> I would my first thought would probably be it was um some sort of construction thing. Mm-hmm. Like someone um because they were near water, maybe from like a boat or the naval base was across the water, something from them. True. I would have thought it was something that had was from building something. True. And this is sort of a marshy area that they're in. So, yeah. Makes or, sense. Uh, or a gator egg that uh, <laughs> radioactive. <laughs> like you get your kids' shoes bronze. They silvered a gator egg. <laughs> the gator got its egg bronze, silvered. <laughs> Not a person. The gator did it. <laughs> no, the gator did. Yeah. A gator it. can't walk into a people store and ask for that to be done. It's got to, you got to go to a gator store to get that done. <laughs> There's a special guy. The out of place sphere was about 20 centimeters in diameter or a little over seven and a half inches. It was shiny and silver, blank but for a simple triangle carved on one side. Since it was made of metal, Terry and his family assumed it was probably a piece of a military aircraft or some other industrial part that fell from the sky. However, there was no crater where Terry had found the sphere, as one would expect to see. The only thing surrounding the strange ball was charred grass and trees from the forest fire. You know, it doesn't leave a crater. Bronze gator egg. Yeah, they would just roll it there. Also, would a crater occur from this thing falling from the sky? It's not a meteor. But maybe at least, I mean, if it fell from airplane height, yeah, I think it would, I it guess. would make unindentation. It would, it, there would be some sort of It a wouldn't hole. be like super deep. I think it, it wouldn't be would dinosaur sized crater. No, not like dinosaur paw prints. Do they, do dinosaurs have paws or hooves? Feet. I would call them feet. Okay. Paws to me are hairy. Paws are cute. Hooves are um, like a, made like of hard bone. Yeah. Dinosaur feet. Well, I don't know. What do you call lizard feet? Talons. Oh, sharp talons. Maybe they had talons. Talons on top and tootsies on the bottom. Hmm. Well, the family pondered what the sphere could be: a down NASA satellite, or even perhaps one from Russia. Was it somehow related to the fire? Could it be some sort of cannonball used in a battle fought on those lands hundreds of years ago? They really had no answers. I might think cannonball upon first blush, I would just blush think too. it's so shiny. Like, it's very, it's not dingy. Yeah, it probably belonged to a gator. Old can- the old cannonball. Also, I was not alive when cannonballs were happening. Aren't but they black or they gray? They were like, yeah, they weren't silver. I don't think But so. that's what they, their first thought was... Oh, this is probably a cannonball because the land there 
was known in the 16th century as of having all these like battles. Spanish battles and everything. So they thought it might just be left over and I guess hidden until all this stuff was burned away. The family brought the ball home and for several weeks it sat motionless and undisturbed on Terry's windowsill. That all changed when a few weeks later, when Terry was in his room and began to play his guitar. Suddenly, the orb began to hum and vibrate as Terry strummed the instrument. The family noticed the ball would also vibrate on its own, like a tuning fork. Occasionally, it would make strange sounds, like the tinkling of wind chimes, even if no one in the family had touched it. Man, you know, he was hitting that Clapton and the ball was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we all start humming when Tears in Heaven comes yeah, on. Cocaine. Shoot. Oh, fuck yeah. Layla. Oh, yeah. I picked the saddest Clapton song I can think of. <laughs> we had, I don't know how we got No one hums to Tears in Heaven. We all just sit there and ponder our own demise and, and tear up. get so sad. We had a whole conversation about Eric Clapton's son dying at dinner the other night. I don't remember why. I'm so sad. Paris and Leanne and I started talking about it. Maybe she I think had, we've talked about it on the show. I think so. And she, I think she had read a biography that someone had written about him and mentioned it. And That's we, what Tears in Heaven is about. Yeah, we looked it up. It's so heartbreaking. He fell out the window. Dude, 53 stories. Yeah. It's uh was tragic, tragic, tragic. Change your life. Well, soon the family began to notice that there was more than meets the eye to their discovery. In addition to the bizarre humming and tones, the ball began to move. Some would say this wasn't too strange, considering the spherical shape. Balls roll, even sometimes on relatively flat surfaces. But the sphere was not simply rolling. It was moving, as if with intention. If a Betts family member would try and push the sphere, it would reverse direction and move back to where it had started. That's what they said. It would move almost like in L shapes or just back and forth as if you're playing, you know. Like in Poltergeist when they're pushing the chairs across the kitchen floor. That's another theory we can explore later of what it might be. I'll tell you right now what my theory is. What's that? They're making this up. They They lied. I mean... Anybody can say anything, and who's to <laughs> argue with it if no one's there to say it was right or wrong? I just like that. Anybody can say anything. <laughs> you can. True, true. I mean, it's the it's the 70s. No one, everybody's <laughs> playing it fast and loose. <laughs> That's the explosion. It's the 70s, man. Shit went down. It's like, true. You're not wrong. I mean, I could say, Heather, do you know what I found in my backyard today? What's that? This tiny that- silver ball. What? And I started rolling around on my floor, and it's just like looping and looping. Who are you to? You can do one of two things: think I'm telling the truth, or think I'm full of shit. I would believe you. <laughs> just FYI, I would be lying. Or would you? Mm. Or did the alien send a message? I would love to find an alien egg in my backyard. That'd be great. And Not a it, gator egg, because that means a gator's near. No, God. But if it was an alien egg and it opened, it's a little baby, like a little gremlin or a little baby Yoda. Or it's like the alien from Aliens, and Don't. it just <laughs> gets inside your chest. attacks your face. Well, according to AncientCode.com, two different journalists witnessed the sphere's bizarre movement. One photographer from the Jacksonville Journal saw for himself that when the sphere was placed on the ground, it would move unlike any object he'd ever seen. Rather than rolling away like an errant bowling ball, the sphere made a a big arc around the room, stopping and turning on its own, obviously not being moved by the forces of gravity alone. Because it's being moved by the alien babies inside. Or their uneven floors. They are in a marsh. The house... (laughs) 
<laughs> is enormous on a Mars. I don't live on a Mars, and my house has settled in the five years we've lived there to where doors won't close properly. I can't put something. If we down. lived in a freaking marsh, and there's all that humidity. Who knows what's happening? Yeah, the Texas ground beneath us might as well be a marsh. Yeah, it shifts like nothing. Well, even when set on a table, the ball would roll one direction, coming to a halt before falling off the table, only to make a turn and go to the end of the other side of the table, never rolling off or hitting the ground. During one of the incidents, the Betts family witnessed the sphere roll on its own for a whopping 12 minutes without stopping once. In another incident, the ball actually rolled upwards when the table holding it was tilted at an incline. So I have a question for you. Please. If... Can, can, may we do a hypothetical? Sure. I love hypotheticals. Suspension of disbelief hypothetical. They are telling the truth. Okay. That they really saw this. What do you think would cause that? I think uneven floors. Okay. I think... Um, even rolling to the edge of the table and not quite tumping off? I think people, even if they thought they were telling the truth, I think we see what we want to see. We, I think we've learned our memories are uh, trash garbage. Yeah. And I think if you are wanting this to be something magical and special, that you might see things that aren't really there. Or how many times maybe did it fall off the table that we don't talk about, but the one time it doesn't is the time we do talk about. Interesting. I don't know this family. For all I know, they're they're telling the truth. But if I've learned anything in my 41 years, Heather... That people people lie. Anybody can say <laughs> people anything. People lie. Anybody can say anything. And who are we to say? Also, if it's I true think or not? genuinely, sometimes people lie without intention. I think a lot of times people lie on purpose. But sometimes sure. they, like you said, they really think they saw something. Yeah. If if you want, everyone wants to find an alien egg in their backyard mm-hmm. and and have it be a magical thing that likes Clapton and keeps you <laughs> company at night. But the likelihood of that happening. But if an alien egg did come here, it would love Layla. That's the best. It's such a good song. <laughs> it would also get very emotional over tears and happiness. Definitely. Like all of us. That's when it starts humming in a sad, low tone. God, this is a sad movie we've started to write. It's like <laughs> E.T., like e. but worse somehow. <laughs> the sphere was doing more than just rolling. The family dog had shown an aversion to the object, and certain people visiting the Betts' home noticed an odd high-pitched sound coming from within the metal ball. According to MysteriousUniverse.org, Jerry Betts told the Palm Beach Post shortly after finding the ball, There must be high-frequency waves from it. When we put our poodle beside the ball, she whimpers and puts her paws over her ears. Okay, second theory. It's one of those... um, you know, those balls that not medicine balls, but like they have them in like um, ball whole earth provisions or oh. like those. They come in the little like silk oh, and you, thing and you hold them in your hand and you twist, twist them, them around and it's supposed to like um, be soothing and stuff. Stress reliever. And there's also like those tonal balls that you like hit. And then there a bowl too. That yeah, you there's around? the bowl. Maybe it's one of those. It's true. And maybe just a hippie. It's the 1970s. I'm telling you, man, it's the 70s. Shit's going Honestly, down. any theory is worth exploring you roll in 1974. You're going to roll up on something in a field. It could be a hippie object. It could. Just you as don't well. Know. Also, uh, the dad was a marine biologist. The son's a medical student. They're smart cookies. Maybe they engineered this themselves. They made their own ball. Who's to say? BYOB. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, bring your own ball. (laughs) 
The family also noticed that the ball seemed to react to changes in the weather. On sunny days, the ball appeared to be more active, leading the Betzes to believe it perhaps ran on solar energy. They had also discovered by accident that one spot on the orb's surface was highly magnetic. Who we're all more active when it's yeah, sunny outside. Who's, who's, ball or no ball. Don't be surprised. It's also, nice out. Ella's new obsession is Wally. Oh, that's such a good obsession. And he is powered by the sun. That's right. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe this is pre-Wally. <laughs> maybe it's... And, you know, Wally... Well, he was a robot created by man, so... He wasn't an alien. No, but that is whoever wrote Wally is so a, good. Such a good storyteller. How can I feel so much love for two robots that love each that's such a love story? It's not only just a love story, but it's a cautionary tale of where 100%. we're headed <laughs> exactly. as destroying our planet and consumerism. It's tr- they do a very good job of explaining it. At first, I was like, this is a bit heavy handed. Then Tommy's like, it's for kids. <laughs> so it's like, true. Well, this isn't NPR putting this on. So they do a good job of like explaining why this would be so harmful that is understandable to kids. Yeah. And I like that it'll, it teaches a lesson and also tugs at your heartstrings. It does very much so. So yeah, it's a solar power volleyball. Every day, Ella goes, Wally. Wally, and then when it comes on, she'll go Eva, because <laughs> that's what he calls Eve. Oh, it's very cute. It's and then today I was like, "What do you want?" And she's like, "Wally," and then she said, "Coco." I said, "Do you want Wally or Coco?" She goes, "Wally, Coco." I was like, "Disney hasn't written that." What's coming? We need to get. A- she always wants crossover. her movies to be a crossover and mashup. So somehow we need. Buzz and Woody <laughs> to get into a movie with Wally, and then it all takes place on Dia de los Muertos, yes. so she can have all of her things happening. That's what at they once. need to do with Pixar: is do like an Avengers. They movie. do. They need like a Marvel mashup of all of these movies. Mm-hmm. God, Ella would freaking die. Bit, I, I think all children would freak out <laughs> and adults. Yes. we'd all love it. Well, the Betts family was inundated with requests for interviews, and journalists from across the U.S. and the world requested to come visit and see the sphere for themselves. According to MysteriousUniverse.org, Jerry Betts told the Palm Beach Post, We came to Fort George Island to get away to a serene atmosphere. Now I can't get away from the telephone. It means nothing to people in the West that it's midnight here. And when they quit calling those, those on the East, wake up and start. Okay, Jerry. Well, guess who called the paper first? <laughs> you did. Fair point. Y'all, Nobody would have known. Y'all called the paper because you wanted someone to come out and look at this thing and take pictures of it. Had you not, this ball would have been your secret. Could have been your secret ball. And now everyone knows and everyone wants to look at your ball. Mm-hmm, because you want... See, this is another reason why I think... Why call attention to something if you don't want attention called to it? It's one of those... Because you do want attention called to it. Care for what you wish for. I think they wanted a cute little write-up in the local paper, and then it got out of hand. Or they... This was like Balloon Boy style. We gotta do Balloon Boy. Yeah, that's a crazy story. But... You know, or um, what was the other one that I thought was all made up? The the ghost one. Uh, anything that has ghosts in <laughs> it. That, but the one where the the family moved in and then the, the in-laws smurls? moved in next door. No. Was, it the, was that the Smurls? I think, no, it was the other one. The, uh, yeah, yeah. 
I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yes. But it it was another like we don't want like you were talking about the Streisand thing. Don't take pictures of my house. Well, everyone's going to want to picture your ball. You said that when you call and say, "Hey, we don't know what this ball is. It's magical." Yeah, <laughs> we don't know what this magical ball is. Don't look at it though. Everyone wants to see a magical ball. It's, I I got two in my house right now. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I have one in my garage. Sorry, right now. sorry, mom. <laughs> That's right. Ron Kivett, a local radio show host and paranormal expert, was one of the first to witness the strange behavior of the ball, according to the JacksonMag.com. Kivett confirmed that what the Betzes was saying was true, and, like many others, believed the bizarre orb was of extraterrestrial origin. Well, he's a paranormal expert. Yeah, I think that had he been a dinosaur expert, it would have come from the dinosaurs. I would want to listen to a 1970s local radio show with a paranormal expert. I bet it was awesome. Man, Coast to Coast is kind of that and is is fantastic. Famous ufologist and astronomer, Dr. J. Allen Hynek of Northwestern University in Chicago, offered to have the strange spheres shipped to him for analysis. However, the Betzes were hesitant, fearing it would be lost in transit or stolen. Instead, the family of three decided to hold on to it. After all, it was only about the size of a bowling ball and didn't take up too much space. It seemed harmless, and if it did turn out to be an important artifact, the Betzes would be smart to have kept it. But then, things took a turn. It always seems innocuous. They also kept it in a trunk at night so it didn't roll around their house. And also, so it didn't roll away. I think they were concerned it was going (laughs) to run off. Which, in that case, you're kidnapping a ball. Yeah. Leave it alone. If you love something, let it go. (laughs) It'll come back to you. If If it was really yours. If this ball had somewhere to be, maybe there's a family of balls out there and it's trying to make its way back to it. Bigger balls. A tiny ball's trying to get home to its big balls. This was the mama ball. Somewhere there's a bigger ball, and then there's those, a bunch of little baby those balls. Little two small baby balls that you hold in your hand and tink together. Those are its babies. Oh, see, we can make anything sad if we want to. <laughs> <laughs> and I can make any inanimate object. I can feel for it if I think about it hard enough. <laughs> Paris told me today. I don't remember why he said it. He goes, "Have you ever heard of the loneliest whale?" And then he explained. Oh yeah, it's it's very sad. Thing. It's a very sad story. I had I learned it's a whale that it calls at a certain megahertz that no other whales call to, and it swims all so alone. No whales know to come to it because they can't hear no. it. No, and he said he said that. Well, then, then this expert said, "Oh, they can hear it. They just don't recognize it as a call for them. So they're not deaf. They they know like, oh, this is a sound, but it's not the whale hurts, and so it's all alone. And I just mm-hmm. looked at him and I said, "Why would you tell me that?" He said, "Well, it's a sad thing I had to know, and I didn't want to be the only one to know." <laughs> it's very sad. God, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. The ball so far had only responded to music and sounds, rolled around a bit, and perhaps scared the family poodle. No one in the Betts family was ready for what happened next. Late one night, as the family lay sleeping peacefully in their beds, their quiet home was suddenly filled with the sounds of someone playing the organ. While Terry was musically inclined and played the guitar, he did not play the organ. Not to mention, he was fast asleep. Creepier still was the fact that the Betzes didn't even own an organ. Unsure of what to make of this, the family did agree on one thing. The spooky late-night music was somehow caused by the sphere. A ghost. Maybe it's a rewrite. Clapton rewrite. That's right. It's a cover song. (laughs) Yeah, they're just covering. It's a piano arrangement. 
Man, the only thing that could make Tears in Heaven even sadder is if it was played by a church organ. (laughs) A sad church organ in the night. A lone ball that's been separated from its family. Oh, man. That wouldn't even creep me out. If I just heard Tears in Heaven blaring organ style in my house tonight, I would just immediately start weeping. (laughs) I don't even know if I care where it's coming from because I would just be so depressed. There's also nothing in the news that says this wasn't Tears in Heaven, so that's probably what was playing. (laughs) It's absolutely Tears in Heaven. As if that weren't enough to keep them up at night, the Betzes then noticed another disturbing trend in their home. Doors began opening and slamming shut, seemingly on their own. Unable to get a restful night's sleep between the organ music and slamming doors, the family was finally fed up and contacted another source they thought may be able to shed some light on what was happening. The United States Navy. That's what they say. If you hear organ music in the night, call the Navy. <laughs> when in doubt, call the U.S. Navy. That's what the village people said. Call the Navy. That's that is true. Is. Yeah. See, I'm t- again, the 70s. <laughs> shit went down. That's all that's happening. They're all high. They're <laughs> passing around their bong. The village people are playing. They're like, where, where, who could Navy. help us with this orb? And then call the Navy. And they're like, it's, let's call the Navy, man. It's, it's a great, it's a, a good, uh, it's like a commercial jingle for the <laughs> Navy. <laughs> Wanting some answers from the U.S. military, but also wanting to maintain ownership of the sphere, Jerry Betts wrote up a contract to be signed by the Navy. In the document, it was agreed upon that the Navy could keep the orb for two weeks to conduct testing at the Naval Station Mayport. If after testing it was concluded the object was not military property, it was to be immediately returned to the Betts' home. It's pretty fair. I think. Also, pretty ballsy to be given, present the Navy with a contract. Oh, she was very ballsy with her interactions. With her ball? With her ball. When it came (laughs) to the ball. The Betzes were eager to learn whether they stumbled upon some sort of military prototype or something from out of this world. According to SolarAncestor.com, the Navy's measurements indicated that the sphere was 7.96 inches in diameter and weighed 21.34 pounds. These findings were baffling, as a ball that big made of metal should be much heavier than 22 pounds. Further testing indicated that the sphere's exterior shell was about half an inch, and when the Navy applied pressure to the ball, they learned it could handle up to 120,000 pounds per square inch of pressure. For reference, at just 4,000 PSI, someone could cut off your arm using only a stream of water. The mysterious ball could handle 120,000 PSI. I feel like I need a disclaimer that I was Googling what is a reference point for PSI, and it was an engineering website, and that was the example they used. They said, at 4,000 PSI, they can cut your arm off with water, and I thought, that's a good reference shit. point. <laughs> pretty graphic this also is important for my later theory which i won't present yet that it is uncrackable yes by that amount but by that reference of four thousand psi it could stand that much water it could stand 120,000 psi of water believing the ball was actually hollow the navy then turned one of its most powerful x-rays on the sphere only to discover that its hollow core was actually filled with two more round objects, as well as a dense halo of another type of metal. They also discovered it had four magnetic poles, two positive and two negative. Although the Navy concluded that the ball was not radioactive, it was noted that the sphere was emitting radio waves, in addition to its intensely magnetic characteristics. 
Metallurgical testing indicated that the sphere was made of high-grade stainless steel, known as magnetic ferrous alloy number 431, a machinable and workable steel mixed with nickel. So they were able to at least get more information than just, I don't know, it's made out of metal. It's basically really nice stainless steel. Yes. And strong, very strong stainless steel. When asked about the ball mysteriously rolling around on its own, the Navy offered a logical explanation. There was a small triangular chip in the otherwise smooth surface of the ball, according to the JacksonMag.com. It was believed this damage was causing the balance of the sphere to be thrown off as it rolled around flat surfaces. As reported in a local paper at the time and reprinted in an article by Skeptoid Podcast, Chris Berninger, spokesperson for the Navy, was also quoted as saying, I believe it's because of the construction of the house. It's old and has uneven stone floors. The ball's almost perfectly balanced and just takes one little indentation to make it move or change direction. I think that's a good point. That it's kind of boing around based on stone floors. In Florida, that's not uncommon. Is it? When I lived in Florida and my house and every house I ever went into, I don't think I ever saw carpet except in apartments. Everything is tile or like concrete or because it, there's it's hurricanes and flooding and yeah, just humidity and stuff. Yeah, you might as well. And like, I think in just like beachy places, it's less common to have. It was something I, one of the many things of living in Florida I had to. Get used to. You learned real fast. Yeah. At the end of its testing, the Navy concluded that the orb was not military property. It was also determined that while the ball was relatively safe and in no danger of exploding, they still couldn't identify what it actually was without cutting into it. Although the Betts family wanted to know what exactly this item was, they were unwilling to see it destroyed. Maybe we've just become overattached to it. Jerry Betts told the St. Petersburg Times. But the ball is odd. And even the Navy called it a Mexican jumping bean. Who could say what's on another planet? Even speculations have been proven wrong. Rather than see it cut open, the Betzes took their ball and went home. Well, one report I read was that when the naval officer came to bring it to, back to their house, that uh, right before he arrived, there was a phone call and Mrs. Betts answered and they said, hello, is... Chris or whoever from the Navy there yet and she said no and they said well make sure he calls us as soon as he gets there so she said okay so he comes with the ball to give it back to her and then he gets on the phone and calls his people back and says okay okay uh uh-huh uh-huh okay okay and hangs up and he says we want to keep the ball and she said in a show of ballsiness as we've been saying she said no it's ours is it your is it military property no but we'd still like to keep it and she said the agreement we had was if it's not military property in two weeks you give it back you have to give it back and the guy said okay i guess that's the deal we made but he was trying to leave the house with it trying to basically whoever called that's like the mystery call there's a conspiracy that i'll get to Mm. (laughs) my theories when we ask what do we think i have here's my thing they're going to all sorts of links to try and figure out what this is. Let them cut into it and see if they can cut into it and give you an answer. Why are you? Why are you now? I don't think they really wanted to know what it is. What if it has feelings? Because I think they knew what it was. What if it has feelings? It doesn't. It's a piece of metal. Does Wally have feelings? He is not just a piece of metal. He's a sentient being. <laughs> this is a sentient being. It loves Eric Clapton. <laughs> I think they didn't want it to be cut into and have something um have it be 100 percent confirmed this is nothing Ooh, they were scared of the truth 
Yeah, or they just designed this thing themselves, and they're like, oh, well, we know what happens if he cuts into it. They're going to find... The chewy chocolate center. (laughs) Well, the Betzes had another possible source of hope to finally determine what the sphere was. Dr. Carl Wilson of the Omega-1 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, sometimes also referred to as the Omega-1 Institute, described by Skeptoid as... A holistic institute. Wilson seemed enthralled by what he found telling a Canadian newspaper that the incredible sphere had radio waves coming from it and a magnetic field around it. Wilson told others that he saw the orb perform the same rolling tricks that the Betzes had previously described and that other reporters had also claimed to see. Wilson, according to Mysterious Universe, had a theory. The sphere was an alien probe that fell, damaged, from a spaceship. Or it was an anti-gravitational device. I love when people like this present theories because they can't just pick one. It's either an alien probe that fell out of a spaceship or or an anti-gravitational device. Well, it can't be both those things. Why don't you lean in real hard to one of them? You got to have a backup explanation. (laughs) Exactly. Because when your plan A gets blown to shreds, then you got to have plan B. It's anti-gravitational. How could you be super positive about any, you know, both of those things? I feel like it uh, diminishes your argument when, when, someone you, when you have multiple theories going on. Gets so excited and then goes, or. Or. Anti-gravitational device. Or, and you're like, could be. Or. Metal bowling ball. Yes. Or. Gator Roomba. egg. A new type of Roomba that hasn't been invented. <laughs> Once again, the Betzes were disappointed to be left only with theories and no answers. But their hope was soon restored. The 1970s were a hot time for allegations of alien encounters. Seemingly once a week, another person would give an interview to the National Enquirer, confessing that they had been abducted by aliens and subjected to probes. In the interest of proving the legitimacy of any of these stories, the bastion of journalistic integrity decided to convene a panel and a convention offering a fat reward of $50,000 for anyone who could provide proof positive of aliens a sum that was later raised to $1 million. You're asking That's for it. That's a big jump. You're asking for a bunch of goofballs to call in and say, I found this. And it's like Joe Dirt, where they found they think they found something and it's a big turd. Tommy loves Joe Dirt. It's such a funny movie. <laughs> I told you at Magic Time Machine, there was a guy that for so many years beyond when it was relevant would dress as Joe Dirt. And it was so much fun. He to kept go. Joe Dirt alive. Well, and people would say either either 90% of people would hate it and not understand what it was and think it was like a King of the Hill character or just some, you know, Joe or Jeff Foxworthy redneck character. Yeah. And 10% of people would freak out and be <laughs> so excited that it was Joe Dirt. He did it for those 10%. <laughs> he did. He did. And he was, you know what? He looked like David Spade and he he played a really good Joe Dirt. <laughs> I hope he still was doing that. I think he's Woody from Toy Story. The last time I went to He Magic. still works there? Yeah. The last time I was there, he was Woody well, from Toy Story. Okay. Maybe. Could be different. I don't know. Maybe Joe Dirt's the least of his his problems. In 1974, several renowned scientists holding the highest of graduate degrees sat poised on the Inquirer's panel to determine whether any of the claims of proof of extraterrestrial life were legitimate. The Betts family, excited not only about the prospect of validating their claims, but also about the prospect of the cash prize, sent their beloved son, Terry, to act as their representative and guardian of the sphere. That's such a good title, guardian of the sphere. 
Man, that's a Marvel movie that sounds like it should be made. We missed out. And I think they said he took a jet and there was maybe... His sister also went. Some confusion that if he at some point he may have lost complete control of the sphere. Mm, that's maybe, why they tell you at the airport, do not get don't your leave your baggage unattended. <laughs> also, nowadays you can get the sphere in your in your carry-on luggage. Yeah, no. You wouldn't be able to just take this again, the 70s. No, they'll uh, could do anything. It was loose back smoke then. Smoke on this plane and you could have a, an alien orb with you. It was very loose. Just sitting in the seat next to you. Although the orb generated a lot of attention at the gathering, the Betzes were once more disappointed. The panel was made up of some of the best experts in the world, including Dr. J. Allen Hynek of Northwestern University, who had been interested in the Betzes sphere since the story first broke. Unfortunately for the Betzes, the esteemed panel was unimpressed with the family's orb and came to the same conclusion as the Navy and the Omega Institute before them, that it was most likely man-made. Because there could be no conclusive link to alien activity, the Betzes were denied the cash prize. An ensuing article in the St. Petersburg Independent summarized the findings, quoting Dr. J. Allen Hynek as saying that no one on the expert panel will go as far to say it's extraterrestrial. They would be putting their scientific reputations on the line. I mean, that's a fun thing to have in one sentence. (laughs) Well, also, do you not think that being on an alien panel, that's sort of rocking maybe yeah. cracking your scientific yeah. reputation i think that's gonna raise some red flags in amongst your esteemed peers if um they're like where's uh where's jay this weekend he's down in new orleans at a new alien orleans. alien panel he's on the the national Enquirer panel <laughs> the, he got the Enquirer panel how i was applying for that for weeks Man, I would have to be a fly on the wall at that panel. The, the photographs. <laughs> the, so much hair. So much hair. Yeah, again, the 70s. So many mustaches. A lot of great time for hair in the Everywhere. 70s. They said it was man-made, and the only thing they really noticed was that when you shook it, it rattled. There was something inside that, <laughs> like, that rattled a bit. Hey, man, your ball's fucked up. <laughs> well, while disappointed, the Betzes didn't give up. So when another scientist at the Inquirer event showed an interest in examining the orb further, the family eagerly agreed. But here's the, here's my question. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? I'll say you put the word doctor in front of somebody's name and they'll let you, that you're an expert. <laughs> uh, Dr. Phil proves it every week. <laughs> um, what answer are they hoping to find? Because they've received several at this point. People have said, we could probably find out more if we do further testing. It might require us to damage it a bit. no. Don't cut into the ball. What answer are they looking for? That, probably that they can win $50,000 from the National They Empire. They want to be told, this fell out of a spaceship, Guar's looking for it, <laughs> and you here's a million dollars for proving that aliens exist. Also, now we're going to get attacked by aliens. Thanks a lot. <laughs> they want their ball back. Uh, yeah, it seems like... People are trying to give them answers, but they have a very specific one in mind that they're searching for. And until they get that, they're just going to keep saying no, no, and go to the next person. Like a hypochondriac going to different doctors. Exactly. Are you sure I don't have that? Are you sure I don't have leprosy? We're pretty sure none of your limbs are falling off. I looked it up on WebMD. I'm going to have to go to an... uh, Yeah. (laughs) Man, WebMD. Ruined the lives. Of so many. (laughs) Of so so many. many. Every time... Because... Hot take coming in. Oh, go on. I don't think doctors are that necessary. Whoa. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that. For what most people get sick by, at least me, uh-huh. 
I don't find it necessary to go to a doctor. I've had sinus infections enough, colds enough. You know. I'm like, if I just wait this out, it's going to go away. If I have some, if I'm throwing up blood or something, of course, I'm going to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I don't think it's that necessary to go to a doctor unless you've got some crazy new illness or you've broken a bone. But how would you know if you had a crazy new illness if you didn't go to the doctor? If if it lasted longer than a common oh, yeah. cold should, that makes sense. If I if I have what I think is a cold, and for six months I have a cold, at some point I'm going to have gone to the doctor. That's a but, good idea. Uh, I have a in Texas. If you're a nurse practitioner, you can open your own practice with no doctors. And my general practice that I go to is owned by these women nurse practitioners. I go to the so, doctor more than anyone I've ever. I go met. to the doctor all for anything all the time. <laughs> you do. It's great. But why? I found out I had a quick, my tongue swelled for no reason. And that, how, what do you just go? Maybe it'll go away. And you know what? It wouldn't have gone away because I had a vitamin D deficiency, which I found out from going to the nurse practitioner. That is something I probably would have gone to the doctor for had it not gone away in a few days. And I also went to an ENT and she told me I had tonsil stones. So I learned what those were. And when I sneeze really hard and a thing comes out of my mouth, I learned what it was. It's calcified stuff in the back of your throat. I think you could have just Googled that. I, I didn't know what it was. I always just thought I had something. And I was like, man, maybe I'll shoot it back with a water pick or swish some more or whatever. Learn what tonsil stones were. I was very open about my tonsil stone yeah, struggle. Yeah, I want to th- throw up right now listening about this. <laughs> I remember you told Jade Smith and I before and Emily, show. And Emily Gee was like, we, we re- related about it. It was very nice. Um I don't remember Emily Gee being there, but I remember I Jane think she was and I maybe being in there like, right before you got there. You've got to stop talking about this because it's making <laughs> you, us. If you haven't throw up. struggled, you don't understand. I I don't know if I have or not. Yeah. I haven't enough to where oh, it would you would have know. Made me go to the doctor. You, I got a holy I got holy tonsils. What can I say? I uh, I'm sick right now, but I'm like, what's the point in going to? Yeah, the and if you're fine for me, I eventually my cough was so rattly in my chest. I thought this isn't a normal cough, and then I went to the doctor and I was walking pneumonia. So I'm glad I went. You went to the doctor four times in like two weeks. Oh, yeah. No, I go to the doctor a lot. <laughs> I'm always paranoid. What if it's the big one? Um, I had an aunt that she had a disease that only like 400,000 people in the whole entire world ever get. I mean, she had this like super rare disease. So, you know, it's better to catch it early. That's what, what I was think. it? It was uh, Shy Drager's disease or multiple system atrophy is more the new name for it. And it's a super rare disease where parts of your it's also considered like Parkinson's type two, where parts of your brain just start to atrophy and die. And so then it causes different systems in your body to shut down one by one. For a while, your brain cells can keep up and sort of take over for the ones that have died. But eventually you run out of brain cells. Mm. Question. Yes. Are you a hypochondriac? Yes. <laughs> for sure. You and my friend Laurie are both admitted hypochondriacs and you both go to the doctor more than anyone. All the time. Um, it's so- good though. I always feel better and I sleep easier being like, oh, this isn't the flu. And I get a Z-pack. I, when I had the flu, Tommy was like, I was like, maybe I should go to urgent care. He's like, why? What are they going to do for you? I'm like, he's like, anything the internet will tell you is like, if you have the flu. Lay down and just, drink a lot of yeah, juice. Yeah, just wait it out. Because by the time they can even diagnose the flu, it's usually too late to for a Z-pack to do anything. Sounds horrifying. It's too late. And um, if you just wait out, wait out a few days, but the walking pneumonia copay. would not have gone away with, but for the antibiotics and the my inhaler is quite mm-hmm. lovely. Which I, I, I'm not a doctor, but I, be, I bet it would have. Maybe maybe would have taken a long time. I believe it then turns into regular pneumonia and gets worse. Well, then you get some time off work. <laughs> so, 
wishing pneumonia on myself. <laughs> no, I would never wish pneumonia on, on anyone. Walking pneumonia sounds like um, another Eric Clapton song. That's true. <laughs> so the family is uh, once again looking for They're answers from yet another quote-unquote expert. Ball hypochondriacs. <laughs> they are ball hypochondriacs. Yes. Different kind of ball hypochondriac than most people would be. Dr. James A. Harder, consultant in civil engineering to the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, or APRO, had quite an extreme conclusion. After conducting tests using x-rays, Dr. Harder was quoted in the Encyclopedia of UFOs as warning that, If one were to drill into the sphere, then perhaps the masses would go critical and explode like an atomic bomb. His second finding granted the Betts family a little break in visitors, as Dr. Harder deterred other possible investigators against more testing, warning that any future investigation may anger the sphere's alien creators. That's a great way to get people to stay away, saying either, again, there you are with the two theories, either it's a bomb or they're going to zap you with an x-ray or with a ray. Bomb or alien is going to zap you. Either way, you don't want to get near that. This is a bad result. Leave them alone. Stop calling them at all hours. I need a copy of the Encyclopedia of UFOs. It looks awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Well, just like that, the world stopped hearing about the mystery orb. Did the family hide it away for fear of further angering its extraterrestrial creators? Or was it merely a hunk of metal, debunked and now no longer interesting? Some people postulated that it could have been simply a part of an ancient type of buoy, The size and shape of the sphere matches the metal orbs that sat inside vintage buoys used by the Navy. But because the Navy had access to the orb, and the Betzes offered to let the Navy keep it if it were to be determined to be a military object, this is unlikely. It is also relevant that Antoine Betz, the patriarch of the family, was a marine engineer and would surely have recognized a tool of his trade. Do you think this is why they allegedly called when the Navy guy showed up to deliver the ball back and said, you should try and keep it? Because maybe they were like, oh, I think that is one of our vintage buoys. I think then the Navy would have said, it is a part of the buoy. We are going to keep it. So then they would have had rights to it and the Betzes would have had to Maybe they just wanted to do further testing because it was... It looked like the part. It was bizarre and they wanted some answers. Or somebody's like, we'll cut it open and then weld it back together. Or, yeah, they wanted... Because one of the things the Betzes thought at first, too... Because this was during the time of like Russian space travel mm-hmm. and everything, was that it's it a- was a Russian satellite or or something. So I could definitely see the military wanting to keep it if that was something that Some they kind thought of it could spy be. piece of yeah. something, yeah, or just even something engineered over there, and they wanted an advantage by knowing how it was made and cut it open. The investigation by the Navy also indicates that in fact the sphere was not military at all. Were it part of an airplane or other military craft? the Navy could have taken it back with the Betz's blessing. Surely the government would not allow a civilian family to retain even a piece of its military hardware. So it's not Navy. It's not owned by the Navy. We, I think we can confidently say uh, that. Yeah, I don't think that. it's... Or at least if it is some sort of military, it's like top, top secret, and the people that were testing it... Didn't even know about didn't it? Didn't even know what it was. Interesting. Well, perhaps the mystery has been solved. An article by Skeptoid Podcast referenced an April issue of the Sarasota Journal in which a sculptor from Taos, New Mexico, took responsibility for the mystery sphere. A Coca-Cola delivery man had seen the Bet Sphere story in the paper. When making a routine delivery to the hotel managed by artist James Darling Jones, he realized the Bet Sphere looked exactly like the ones used in a sculpture on the hotel property. 
when the delivery man told artist Sterling Jones of the Betts' story, an explanation for the mystery orb began to take shape. As reported by the Sarasota Journal, Derling Jones claimed it fell from the top of my Volkswagen bus in 1971, one of several silver balls he used for an art installation. The newspaper pressed the artist to reveal exactly where the sphere came from, but that would remain a mystery when he told the paper, I can't tell you where I got it from because I'd get a friend in trouble, but I'll tell you this, they're not from outer space. According to the Sarasota Journal, the errant ball was one of a dozen Darling Jones picked up as scrap metal in Florida and planned to transport back to New Mexico. The self-described sphere freak told the paper, I had that bus crammed so full, so I stuck the spheres on top of the luggage carrier. Apparently unconcerned that the round objects may roll off in transit. And that's just what happened. I uh, guess I lost three or four of them somewhere in the south. We went through Jacksonville area, you know, around Easter of 1971, James said. This sounds like a very logical explanation I, to me. You know what? When you're a sphere freak and you got so many spheres that your bus is so full, they may you may lose one or two and not know. You're going to lose some and you might not even notice because you got so many jammed in there. That's why you got to number your spheres. You should. You should. You would have known. When pressed further, James indicated that the sphere was perhaps attained through nefarious means. Look, uh, these things aren't perfect. If they were perfect, they'd be worth several thousand dollars to the company that made them. Besides, if I tell you, the company will want them back. The Sarasota Journal asked James outright if they were stolen. James denied that this was the case, but was hesitant to elaborate. Well, uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. But it would cost my friend his job if they found out about it. Besides, I've been offered some more of them. James further confirmed that the spheres were intended to be part of an industrial valve, like the ones used in high-pressure transmission lines. Finally, James told the Sarasota Journal, You tell that guy in Florida if he doesn't need it, I could sure use it. Those things are hard to come by here. You can't just walk downtown and buy one indicating he had at least two additional sphere-based sculptures in the works for which he needed materials. Gotta have those spheres. Bring me the spheres. I didn't know they were so hard to come by. I didn't know you could get addicted to spheres. <laughs> I guess you can get addicted to anything if you want to, I, or try hard enough. You see, he sees something in the spheres that you we just don't. see spheres, yeah. A story in the Palm Beach Post seemed to further solidify James's story. According to Skeptoid Podcast... After recognizing a picture of the sphere in the paper, Lottie Robinson unearthed an interesting relic that had been sitting in her garage for the past 15 years, an almost identical ball to the one the Betsids had found. Lottie claimed that her son had acquired the orb from a scrap dealer. After her son no longer wanted it, it got put away in her garage. Upon examination, it was confirmed that Lottie's ball was a ball check valve from the St. Regis Company paper mill. The ball, which when measured was found to be 8 inches across and weighing almost 22 pounds, had been used in large pipes in the paper factory. Could an employee at the paper mill be the one responsible for supplying James Sterling Jones with his unique art materials? You know, it was Creed Bratton. <laughs> he was stealing them all. I do like this Lottie person has a weird ball, leaves it in her garage, calls zero newspapers. Yeah, as one would do. Because she she's nobody. like, oh, my son got this from a scrap dealer. It's scrap metal is what it looks like. Fuck it. Nothing interesting about it. And then 15 years later, this story breaks. She's like, that looks like my ball. Hey, I got one of those. Hey, 
Did you ever go to the scrap metal place? Um, we used to go when I was a kid. We would take bags of cans to the scrap metal. Oh no, I don't think I have. Like, where you recycle? Mm, you get paid for the scrap metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that, every family doesn't do that? Um, no, we did not. We <laughs> the cool part about the scrap metal place, wow, was that they had these calendars that they gave out where it was chimpanzees dressed in funny people clothes. So like, oh. it was the calendar for the scrap metal place. Were they made out of metal? Nope, it was paper. And it would be a cute little chimpanzee dressed as like a little accountant with a little cigar or like a fancy lady. That's with how pearls. they paid you? No, that was, just, was a just a bonus. bonus you mm-hmm. got? It was an ad- advertisement. So you'd go oh. back to that scrap metal place and not a competing one. Couldn't even tell you where a scrap metal place is. Oh, I know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have been at garage sales where people get there at the crack of dawn looking for scrap metal to oh, take really? to the scrap metal place. Wow. I didn't know. I guess that makes sense. So here's my theory. Here's where my theory came into play. Mm -hmm. So ball check valves, I looked up what they do. Uh They are, if it was in a giant industrial pipe, for example, if water flowed through it, it would be at, at the bottom of the pipe to control the flow of water. Therefore, it can withstand a ton of PSI because it is being used in this type of environment. It has to, by virtue yeah. of its so use. So that would make sense why when tested, it could withstand 120,000 PSI and one going to get his arm chopped off. And then inside of it, it has two smaller balls. Is the rattling? The rattling, according to James Sterling Jones, is because when the company manufactured them and made them, parts of the metal were like shaved off or came off and just fell inside. And uh, that's what you hear rattling around. Ew. Not alien babies. I don't think it was alien babies or like alien seeds. I, I think that it was something from um, maybe this paper mill or a company like it that was using these as ball check valves. And it. I think the theory of it falling off his... His truck, because he was going to use it as an art installation thing. It does look like something you would use for some kind of art piece. Cool, modern looking, sleek, silver. Yeah. Whether an alien weapon or some simple piece of machined metal forged by man, the Betts mystery fear stirred up controversy when it hit the media in the 1970s. But after the investigation and inspection, what happened to the sphere itself and the family it made famous? A photo on abandoned Florida shows the Betts' once glorious Fort George Island home, complete with its inlaid brick and turrets, now in disrepair, with many windows covered by plywood. But while they may have moved to escape the media frenzy, the Jackson Magazine reported in October of 2019 that the Betzes continued living in Florida. Antoine remained working as a marine biologist, and his wife, Jerry, continued to be active in the community and willing to talk about pretty much anything but the sphere. In September 2019, a local Jacksonville news outlet, WJCT, launched a podcast dedicated to uncovering every possible shred of information about the ball and the Betts family itself. It's called Oddball and postulates a few theories based on extremely thorough research. One is that Dr. Hynek, the ufologist and astronomer, possibly switched out the ball for a decoy on one of his visits. Another theory is through the host interactions with the journalist who profiled Jerry Betts, that perhaps the family learned something about the sphere that scared them into silence. Whatever the true origin of the ball, whether man-made or from outer space, 
It turned the Betts family's once quiet life into an ongoing mystery saga that has extended over five decades. Whether a hoax perpetrated by a board family or a secret government conspiracy, one thing is for sure. The mystery has yet to be solved. I think it's an alien ball that has feelings. <laughs> what do you really think it is? I really... The theory that I found to be the most that I liked that also that made the most sense was that in fact it was some sort of a government piece and the low level folks in the Navy that had initially investigated it didn't have clearance to know that and later on the Betzes were contacted by the government that said you better shut up about it stop and either the government took it or somehow they were able to keep it. So you think the Betzes don't have it anymore? I, that's the thing. And the, the Oddball is an ongoing podcast. It's been and there's new episodes that, that get released and they're trying to get in touch with the family. So this who has gone quiet about it. Well, since the 70s, they won't talk about this anymore. They'll talk about, like they said, anything but the ball. And so the journalist that the host of the podcast talks to keeps on trying to get Jerry Betts to talk about the sphere. And she keeps so far. She's just pushed her off. She hasn't totally said no. So this oddball probably has the best chance because it's a local journalist, a local podcast. So it's not some outsider coming in saying, we want to totally debunk this theory. And it's more like, we want to get to the bottom of it. We want you to tell your side of it. So that may be, you know, so one of the get some answers unless the government told them, told they, them can't. they can't talk about it. And that sort of has been teased on the episodes that have been released so far that maybe they learn something that they can't. Mm. But if, what do you think it was if it was the government's? I don't know if it was something that maybe that you because it does it can withstand such strong PSI. And if it is hollow, it may and and was it able to emit radio Ooh. waves. Maybe a submarine can uh, cannonball. Yeah, I was thinking, or something that they could maybe dump in the ocean that they would be able to track offshore submarines because if mm-hmm. it was uh, somewhat buoyant or could be put as part of some kind of a buoy and it emits radio waves that could transmit back, almost kind of like a radar system yeah. or something to say. Because you know, in the 70s, like in Twister, when they throw up those little balls into the tornado and it tracks all the stuff that's going on in there and radios it back to them it's an underwater twister ball mm, that's makes sense from space that, that could be i think i mean and because the naval base was across the water from where they live something military i could see that it could be something military and when i was looking up the saint george fort fort george island which is home to the saint george church it's very confusing but anyway the fort george island is kind of in this marshy area so something could have washed up or yeah, yeah, if they had been testing something maybe over at or their base, shot over, yeah, it kind of just washed up, and maybe or maybe it didn't fall from thirty thousand feet. If it fell from you know whatever a hundred feet or something like that, you know, or was dropped on a convoy or a truck or something like that, mm. it wouldn't leave a crater. Yeah, I'd like to know where this ball is. That's what that's what Oddball's trying to find out. Is, well, listen to Oddball if you also would like to know. If, you, if you're we dying. Can get some ball answers. <laughs> I think it could be something to do with the government. I also think it could be maybe this this artist thing. I don't know um, logistically if it fell off his bus on a street how easy it would be for it to roll or get to where it was found because I'd have to Google Maps it to see like 
how mm-hmm. close to a road this was. Or well, and also if maybe he was doing some kind of a ball handoff and they were going to do it in this a secluded area of forest because this was they had 88 acres and their house was on yeah. part of it and it was a lot of marshes and trees. So he may have who knows where they did the ball exchange if they were doing it under cover of these trees that now the trees. Have if burned the down. guy was giving it from his company Illegal. illegally, then, yeah. yeah, it may have been like a literal backwoods type of deal. I also think that the statute of limitations on ball thievery is probably well passed and they could just admit now. Yeah, I don't think a, James co- a company in the 70s, what can they do to you now? They've probably all been destroyed or become a conglomerate and they're not one of going to come after you. Hmm. Well, maybe Oddball will get some answers they're gonna for solve us. it. She's very thorough. Get the bets to speak. Speak out, Bets family. Well, let us know what you guys think. Or if you know the family or you know where the ball is. Yeah. Or if you've um, if you've seen this ball in other places. You've we'll had post dro- pictures of what this ball looks like. Exactly. It looks like a silver bowling ball. Or if you're in Taos and you know where that guy's balls are. Anything. Yep. If you want to send Apparently, pictures. Apparently, uh, there's a lot of these, these types of sculptures in Taos. So if you live there, chances are you've seen one you of You know where balls. the sphere freak lives. <laughs> Well, Sinisterhood will always remain free, but if you wish to donate to our Patreon to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner. You'll get some sweet perks like Patreon-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves tier, a special shout-out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. Also, coming this Saturday... January 25th at 11 a.m. Central Time, we're going to do a live Facebook Q&A for our Patreon patrons. So if you join the Ruling the Airwaves tier, you can participate. We'll chat with you live. Christy and I love to answer questions about literally anything and everything, whether it's about your favorite episode or tips from our own lives, like hair products. Some people have asked us what our favorite sandwiches are. We never know what we're going to get, and that's why we love our Facebook Q&As. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. So if you're not already a Ruling the Airwaves member... Maybe you want to join. Bye. And have some fun this Saturday at 11 a.m. And hang out with us probably at the bar in my living room. So <laughs> that's usually where we do them. We also have begun doing mixed bag episodes where Christy and I will bring three things to share with the other person. It could be a delicious treat, a fun news article, or a book we read. You never know. So tune into our Patreon page for our weekly mix bags. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Please keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop in the top right corner. I forgot to tell you I ordered Ella a shirt finally. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I got it. I, I, uh, it just came the other day. So I'll get some pictures. And it's a little pink one. It says, Keep It Creepy. Oh. I'm straight. I'm going to send her to preschool in this. <laughs> Please, we need her. We need her to spread yeah, the word. We need to spread our demographic, and I think three to two to three year olds is just the target audience we're looking for. Perfect, perfect. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterhoodPod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and on Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Instagram at Heather versus the world and on Twitter at MCK versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves and keep it creepy. 
Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Cindy. Michelle Hawkins. Claire Wright. Laura Shin. Case Miller. Craze Dementor. Nikki Mathis. Holly Erickson. Michelle F. Olivia Christian. Amy Matthews. Kimberly Quimmett. Cassie. Kristen Marie Kelly. Cara Kennedy. Leslie Goodwin. Christy Castor. Jackie Yeary. Liz Crumley. Amanda Collins. Elizabeth Rogers. And Virginia Blackburn. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show on Patreon. We could not do this without you. We hope we pronounced all of your names right. We're so sorry if we didn't, but we love you so much and couldn't do this without you. Keep it creepy. Mwahaha. Sinister Hood.